Chapter Seventeen, Part Three of Supplements to the First Book, Second Half The Doctrine of the Abstract Idea or Thinking From the World as Will and Idea, Volume Two by Arthur Schopenhauer. Translated by R. B. Haldane and J. Kemp. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. The Doctrine of the Idea of Perception, Chapter Seventeen on man's need of metaphysics part three as for the motion of the projected bullet so also for the thinking of the brain a physical explanation must ultimately be in itself possible which would make the latter just as comprehensible as is the former but even the former which we imagine we understand so perfectly is at bottom as obscure to us as the latter for what the inner nature of expansion in space may be of impenetrability mobility hardness elasticity and gravity remains after all physical explanations a mystery just as much as thought but because in the case of thought the inexplicable appears most immediately a spring was at once made here from physics to metaphysics and a substance of quite a different kind from all corporeal substances was hypostasized a soul was set up in the brain but if one had not been so dull as only to be capable of being struck by the most remarkable of phenomena one would have had to explain digestion by a soul in the stomach vegetation by a soul in the plant affinity by a soul in the reagents nay the falling of a stone by a soul in the stone for the quality of every unorganized body is just as mysterious as the life in the living body in the same way therefore the physical explanation strikes everywhere upon what is metaphysical by which it is annihilated that is it ceases to be explanation strictly speaking it may be asserted that no natural science really achieves anything more than what is also achieved by botany the bringing together of similars classification a physical system which asserted that its explanation of things in the particular from causes and in general from forces were really sufficient and thus exhausted the nature of the world would be the true naturalism from leucippus democritus and epicurus down to the systeme de la nature and further to delamarque cabanis and to the materialism that has again been warmed up in the last few years we can trace the persistent attempt to set up a system of physics without metaphysics that is a system which would make the phenomenon the thing in itself but all their explanations seek to conceal from the explainers themselves and from others that they simply assume the principal matter without more ado they endeavour to show that all phenomena even those of mind are physical and they are right only they do not see that all that is physical is in another aspect also metaphysical but without kant this is indeed difficult to see for it presupposes the distinction of the phenomenon from the thing in itself yet without this aristotle much as he was inclined to empiricism and far as he was removed from the platonic hyperphysics kept himself free from this limited point of view he says amen unmi estitis etira usia paratas fuse funesticuias ifusiki an ein proti epistimi e de estitis usia akinitas 
auti protera kai philosophia proti kai kafolu utos oti proti kai peri tu ontas i on tautis an ei theorisai that is si igitur non est aliqua alia substantia praeter eas quae natura consistunt physica profecto prima scientia eset quodsi autem est aliqua substantia immobilis haec prior et philosophia prima et universalis sic quod prima et de ente prout ens est speculari huius est metaphysics five one such an absolute system of physics as is described above which leaves room for no metaphysics would make the natura naturata into the natura naturans it would be physics established on the throne of metaphysics yet it would comport itself in this high position almost like holberg's theatrical would-be politician who was made burgomaster indeed behind the reproach of atheism in itself absurd and for the most part malicious there lies as its inner meaning and truth which gives it strength the obscure conception of such an absolute system of physics without metaphysics certainly such a system would necessarily be destructive of ethics and while theism has falsely been held to be inseparable from morality this is really true only of metaphysics in general that is of the knowledge that the order of nature is not the only and absolute order of things therefore we may set up this as the necessary credo of all just and good men i believe in metaphysics in this respect it is important and necessary that one should convince oneself of the untenable nature of an absolute system of physics all the more as this the true naturalism is a point of view which of its own accord and ever anew presses itself upon a man and can only be done away with through profound speculation in this respect however all kinds of systems and faiths so far and so long as they are accepted certainly serve as a substitute for such speculation but that a fundamentally false view presses itself upon man of its own accord and must first be skilfully removed is explicable from the fact that the intellect is not originally intended to instruct us concerning the nature of things but only to show us their relations with reference to our will it is as we shall find in the second book only the medium of motives now that the world schematizes itself in the intellect in a manner which exhibits quite a different order of things from the absolutely true one because it shows us not their kernel but only their outer shell happens accidentally and cannot be used as a reproach to the intellect all the less as it nevertheless finds in itself the means of rectifying this error and that it arrives at the distinction between the phenomenal appearance and the inner being of things which distinction existed in substance at all times only for the most part was very imperfectly brought to consciousness and therefore was inadequately expressed indeed often appeared in strange clothing the christian mystics when they call it the light of nature declare the intellect to be inadequate to the comprehension of the true nature of things it is as it were a mere surface force like electricity and does not penetrate to the inner being the insufficiency of pure naturalism appears as we have said first of all on the empirical path itself 
through the circumstance that every physical explanation explains the particular from its cause but the chain of these causes as we know a priori and therefore with perfect certainty runs back to infinity so that absolutely no cause could ever be the first then however the effect of every cause is referred to a law of nature and this finally to a force of nature which now remains as the absolutely inexplicable but this inexplicable to which all phenomena of this so clearly given and naturally explicable world from the highest to the lowest are referred just shows that the whole nature of such explanation is only conditional as it were only ex concasis and by no means the true and sufficient one therefore i said above that physically everything and nothing is explicable that absolutely inexplicable element which pervades all phenomena which is most striking in the highest for example in generation but yet is just as truly present in the lowest for example in mechanical phenomena points to an entirely different kind of order of things lying at the foundation of the physical order which is just what kant calls the order of things in themselves and which is the goal of metaphysics but secondly the insufficiency of pure naturalism comes out clearly from that fundamental philosophical truth which we have fully considered in the first half of this book and which is also the theme of the critique of pure reason the truth that every object both as regards its objective existence in general and as regards the manner forms of this existence is throughout conditioned by the knowing subject hence is merely a phenomenon not a thing in itself this is explained in section seven of the first volume and it is there shown that nothing can be more clumsy than that after the manner of all materialists one should blindly take the objective as simply given in order to derive everything from it without paying any regard to the subjective through which however nay in which alone the former exists samples of this procedure are most readily afforded us by the fashionable materialism of our own day which has thereby become a philosophy well suited for barbers and apothecaries apprentices for it in its innocence matter assumed without reflection as absolutely real is the thing in itself and the one capacity of a thing in itself is impulsive force for all other qualities can only be manifestations of this with naturalism then or the purely physical way of looking at things we shall never attain our end it is like a sum that never comes out causal series without beginning or end fundamental forces which are inscrutable endless space beginningless time infinite divisibility of matter and all this further conditioned by a knowing brain in which alone it exists just like a dream and without which it vanishes constitute the labyrinth in which naturalism leads us ceaselessly round the height to which in our time the natural sciences have risen in this respect entirely throws into the shade all previous centuries and is a summit which mankind reaches for the first time but however great are the advances which physics understood in the wide sense of the ancients may make not the smallest step towards metaphysics is thereby taken just as a plane can never obtain cubical content by being indefinitely extended for all such advances will only perfect our knowledge of the phenomenon while metaphysics strives to pass beyond the phenomenal appearance itself to that which so appears and if indeed it had the assistance of an entire and complete experience it would as regards the main point 
be in no way advantaged by it nay even if one wandered through all the planets and fixed stars one would thereby have made no step in metaphysics it is rather the case that the greatest advances of physics will make the need of metaphysics ever more felt for it is just the corrected extended and more thorough knowledge of nature which on the one hand always undermines and ultimately overthrows the metaphysical assumptions which till then have prevailed but on the other hand presents the problem of metaphysics itself more distinctly more correctly and more fully and separates it more clearly from all that is merely physical moreover the more perfectly and accurately known nature of the particular thing more pressingly demands the explanation of the whole and the general which the more correctly thoroughly and completely it is known empirically only presents itself as the more mysterious certainly the individual simple investigator of nature in a special branch of physics does not at once become clearly conscious of all this he rather sleeps contentedly by the side of his chosen maid in the house of odysseus banishing all thoughts of penelope compare chapter twelve at the end hence we see at the present day the husk of nature investigated in its minutest details the intestines of intestinal worms and the vermin of vermin known to a nicety but if someone comes as for example i do and speaks of the kernel of nature they will not listen they even think it has nothing to do with the matter and go on sifting their husks one finds oneself tempted to call that over microscopical and micrological investigator of nature the coquian of nature but those persons who believe that crucibles and retorts are the true and only source of all wisdom are in their own way just as perverse as were formerly their antipodes the scholastics as the latter absolutely confined to their abstract conceptions use these as their weapons neither knowing nor investigating anything outside them so the former absolutely confined to their empiricism allow nothing to be true except what their eyes behold and believe they can thus arrive at the ultimate ground of things not discerning that between the phenomenon and that which manifests itself in it the thing in itself there is a deep gulf a radical difference which can only be cleared up by the knowledge and accurate delimitation of the subjective element of the phenomenon and the insight that the ultimate and most important conclusions concerning the nature of things can only be drawn from self-consciousness yet without all this one cannot advance a step beyond what is directly given to the senses thus can get no further than to the problem yet on the other hand it is to be observed that the most perfect possible knowledge of nature is the corrected statement of the problem of metaphysics therefore no one ought to venture upon this without having first acquired a knowledge of all the branches of natural science which though general shall be thorough clear and connected for the problem must precede its solution then however the investigator must turn his glance inward for the intellectual and ethical phenomena are more important than the physical in the same proportion as for example animal magnetism is a far more important phenomenon than mineral magnetism the last fundamental secret man carries within himself and this is accessible to him in the most immediate manner therefore it is only here that he can hope to find the key to the riddle of the world and gain a clue to the nature of all things the special province of metaphysics thus certainly lies in what has been called mental philosophy 
quote, the ranks of living creatures thou dost lead before me teaching me to know my brothers in air and water and the silent wood then to the cave secure thou leadest me then show'st me mine own self and in my breast the deep mysterious miracles unfold End quote. finally then as regards the source or the foundation of metaphysical knowledge i have already declared myself above to be opposed to the assumption which is even repeated by kant that it must lie in mere conceptions in no knowledge can conceptions be what is first for they are always derived from some perception what has led however to that assumption is probably the example of mathematics mathematics can leave perception altogether and as is especially the case in algebra trigonometry and analysis can operate with purely abstract conceptions nay with conceptions which are represented only by signs instead of words and can yet arrive at a perfectly certain result which is still so remote that any one who adhered to the firm ground of perception could not arrive at it but the possibility of this depends as kant has clearly shown on the fact that the conceptions of mathematics are derived from the most certain and definite of all perceptions from the a priori and yet intuitively known relations of quantity and can therefore be constantly realized again and controlled by these either arithmetically by performing the calculations which are merely indicated by those signs or geometrically by means of what kant calls the construction of the conceptions this advantage on the other hand is not possessed by the conceptions out of which it was believed metaphysics could be built up such for example as essence being substance perfection necessity reality finite infinite absolute ground etc for such conceptions are by no means original as fallen from heaven or innate but they also like all conceptions are derived from perceptions and as unlike the conceptions of mathematics they do not contain the mere form of perception but more empirical perceptions must lie at their foundation thus nothing can be drawn from them which the empirical perceptions did not also contain that is nothing which was not a matter of experience and which since these conceptions are very wide abstractions we would receive with much greater certainty at first hand from experience for from conceptions nothing more can ever be drawn than the perceptions from which they are derived contain if we desire pure conceptions that is such as have no empirical source the only ones that can be produced are those which concern space and time that is the merely formal part of perception consequently only the mathematical conceptions or at most also the conception of causality which indeed does not originate in experience but yet only comes into consciousness by means of it first in sense perception therefore experience indeed is only possible by means of it but it also is only valid in the sphere of experience on which account kant has shown that it only serves to communicate the connection of experience and not to transcend it that thus it admits only of physical application not of metaphysical certainly only its a priori origin can give apodictic certainty to any knowledge but this limits it to the mere form of experience in general for it shows that it is conditioned by the subjective nature of the intellect such knowledge then far from taking us beyond experience gives only one part of experience itself the formal part which belongs to it throughout and therefore is universal 
consequently mere form without content since now metaphysics can least of all be confined to this it must have also empirical sources of knowledge therefore that preconceived ideas of a metaphysic to be found purely a priori is necessarily vain it is really a petitio principii of kant's which he expresses most distinctly in section one of the prolegomena that metaphysics must not draw its fundamental conceptions and principles from experience in this it is assumed beforehand that only what we knew before all experience can extend beyond all possible experience supported by this kant then comes and shows that all such knowledge is nothing more than the form of the intellect for the purpose of experience and consequently can never lead beyond experience from which he then rightly deduces the impossibility of all metaphysic but does it not rather seem utterly perverse that in order to discover the secret of experience that is of the world which alone lies before us we should look quite away from it ignore its content and take and use for its material only the empty forms of which we are conscious a priori is it not rather in keeping with the matter that the science of experience in general and as such should also be drawn from experience its problem itself is given it empirically why should not the solution of it call in the assistance of experience is it not senseless that he who speaks of the nature of things should not look at things themselves but should confine himself to certain abstract conceptions the task of metaphysics is certainly not the observation of particular experiences but yet it is the correct explanation of experience as a whole its foundation must therefore at any rate be of an empirical nature indeed the a priori nature of a part of human knowledge will be apprehended by it as a given fact from which it will infer the subjective origin of the same only because the consciousness of its a priori nature accompanies it is it called by kant transcendental as distinguished from transcendent which signifies passing beyond all possibility of experience and has its opposite in imminent that is remaining within the limits of experience i gladly recall the original meaning of this expression introduced by kant with which as also with that of the categories and many others the apes of philosophy carry on their game at the present day now besides this the source of the knowledge of metaphysics is not outer experience alone but also inner indeed what is most peculiar to it that by which the decisive step which alone can solve the great question becomes possible for it consists as i have fully and thoroughly proved in über den willen in der natur under the heading physische astronomie in this that at the right place it combines outer experience with inner and uses the latter as a key to the former end of chapter seventeen part three recording by expatriate in bangor maine